The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, as you'll hear in just a moment from Kenneth Connolly with his sports update after that annoying whistle sound effect, this was a big sports weekend for New York area sports fans. Obviously, the big story has got to be the Giants' incredible victory over the Vikings. We'll see what happens in Philadelphia next week. We're certainly wishing them the best of luck. But one thing that I wanted to call attention to that because of all the football news, I think might be somewhat overshadowed is the fact that Pete Alonzo, the incredible first baseman for the New York Mets, he and the Mets have agreed on arbitration figures and settled on a contract worth $14.5 million before Friday's deadline. This is huge. In short, this means that Pete Alonzo will be in blue and orange pinstripes for one more year. He's getting a big raise. He made $7.4 million a year ago in his first year of arbitration, and he's not due to hit free agency until 2024. He led the team in just about every offensive category there is. Home runs, RBIs, all these new sabermetric statistics that I don't even understand. Aside from that, aside from him being a real competitor in the Home Run Derby, a former winner of the Home Run Derby, who gives the money that he raises in the Home Run Derby to charity, he just strikes me as a great guy and a real team leader. This is the kind of person that I could see the Mets building a whole franchise around, and I really do hope he sticks around for the foreseeable future. I know this is rare in this day and age of professional sports, but I'd love to see him play his entire career as a New York Met. He's got to be my favorite player on the team, certainly my favorite position player, and I'm thrilled that he's getting a raise, and I'm thrilled he's going to remain a New York Met at least for one more year. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Let me discuss electoral politics at all. Chances are you know I'm in favor of nonpartisan elections and in favor of ranked choice voting. So you might think that this new movement that is taking hold in New York City, as well as in other places around the country, Alaska's already implemented something like this, Nevada is poised to implement something like this, this new movement called Final Five might be right up my alley. The New York Daily News this weekend editorialized in favor of this. And all my friends are involved in an effort to get this on the ballot this year. Former city councilman Sal Albanese, who I supported repeatedly, have given money to. Andrew Yang, who's one of my favorite people in politics these days. And I have to tell you, even though this is exactly the kind of thing I'd usually be in favor of, and even though it's supported by all these people I really admire, I am so against this, and I'm so against it getting any sort of momentum, because my fear is that it's such a disaster. I call it an electoral Rube Goldberg device. It's needlessly complicated. It has no track record in terms of improving anything. It's not clear why this is better than just straight ranked choice voting with nonpartisan elections, which would be my choice. And my fear is that it's so weird and so difficult for people to wrap their head around and does nothing to save the taxpayers money that it's actually going to help ruin the reputation of ranked choice voting and of nonpartisan elections. My fear 
years that this could be the worst thing to happen to the issue of ranked choice voting and nonpartisan elections. We may do a longer segment on this in the future because more and more of you are writing to me and asking about this, but don't mistake Final five with ranked choice voting. You can be for ranked choice voting without being for final five. You can be for nonpartisan elections without being for final five. Essentially, it creates a second round where the top five vote getters would compete in a ranked choice voting only election. It doesn't make sense to me, and I hope it doesn't get implemented in New York. Beam me up to be continued. The other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. New York City just released the data on the 2021 overdose deaths. I can only imagine what 2022 is. Perhaps it was better in some areas because we didn't have the full brunt of all the lockdowns, but we're just getting the 2021 data now. And the health department released this data on drug overdose deaths. It's staggering. Absolutely staggering. 2,668 individuals died of a drug overdose death in New York City in 2021. That is an increase of 78% since 2019 and 27% since 2020. Remember 2020 with all the coronavirus stuff, all the economic tumult, all the stress related to George Floyd and the election? Well, more people did drugs in 2021, or at least died of drugs in New York City in 2021 than in 2020. There's a lot of interesting things to look at when it comes to the numbers. Black people very heavily affected. The fact that fentanyl was involved in 80% of these drug overdoses. The fact uh, that folks in the Bronx were very heavily affected. But to me, the most interesting part about this is the age groups of the people that bore the brunt of these overdose deaths. New Yorkers between the ages of 55 and 64 years old had the highest number of overdose deaths. I mean, that is just staggering. I'm sure there are a variety of theories as to why. And like many things, it's probably not just one or two things. It's probably a bunch. But this is something that ought to be a priority for every policymaker in New York, every police officer, every citizen, every media commentator. This is a crisis and it appears to be getting worse. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, we've been hearing a great deal about the governor's nomination to be the new chief judge of the New York State Court of Appeals. And I suspect you're going to hear a great deal more about Judge LaSalle as his confirmation appears headed for a showdown between the governor and the state Senate. That doesn't look like he has a majority of votes in the state Senate Democratic conference. And who knows, even with the Republicans seemingly on board for his appointment, it doesn't necessarily appear likely that he has a majority of votes overall. So in an interview on Capitol Press Room the other day, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins called the current process incomprehensible and said that it could be revised. Now, the way the current process works, if you're not up on this, a judicial panel comes up with seven potential people, seven potential judges for the governor to pick from, and then the governor picks from these in theory, seven very qualified judges. Well, what if they just broadened it? And this is a Frank Morano suggestion, not an Andrea Stewart-Cousins suggestion. I think she doesn't like who was picked and that, or who her members don't like who was picked, and that's what you're hearing about from her. But what if you gave the governor, rather than a list of seven to pick from, a list of 
60 to pick from. And then that would make this process a little bit more like picking candidates for the Supreme Court. The president, when he picks, he can pick from anybody. He's not limited to a list of only seven people provided from some association or some group. What about opening it up a little bit? I understand why they uh, have limited it to seven because they want to make sure that the people that the governor is choosing from at least have some baseline of qualifications. But what about giving the governor a little bit more discretion to pick, allowing her or him to bear the political slings and arrows of making a good choice or a poor one. Beam me up. That's my suggestion. To be continued.